I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Alternative Facts Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Payne. I'm a staff writer at Billboard. No, I was not at the Billboard Music Awards in Vegas over the weekend, but that's fine. A few of my coworkers went. The show went over really well. Seems like it had about 500% less drama than the Grammys in the days that followed. So I'll take that as a positive. Uh, Drake and Vanessa Hudgens are maybe going to be an item now, or maybe they'll just flirt on TV and in each other's Instagrams. We'll see. In my world of covering rock and alternative music on Billboard, the big story this past week was the death of Chris Cornell. Uh, Considered doing a podcast about it the day it happened. It was last Thursday. Didn't quite work with our schedules. There was a lot going on in the office that day. That's actually why last week's podcast went up on Friday instead of Thursday. So, still want to talk about a little bit, point you in the direction of some stories I really enjoyed around that. You know, it's been a week since Chris passed. It's less of a breaking news story now. Now it's one more that's just unfolding slowly, just whenever we get details about what actually happened. It, where we're at now, you know, it was officially ruled a suicide. He was found dead in his hotel room just after finishing a concert in Detroit. And uh, by all accounts, it was a really good show. I mean, we had a reviewer there, actually, who covered it for Billboard.com. Gary Graff wrote about it. And from what he said, it sounded like the show went over really well. It sounded like Chris was in pretty good spirits, was firing up the crowd, fist bumping with people in the audience, singing really well. I mean, it you know, it's it was it was really I went on a Facebook live and talked about this for Billboard the day after. It was just it's so hard to wrap your head around. It's just such a sad thing. Um a little afterwards as details started to come out, his family questions whether it was actually straight up suicide they were saying that some of the medication he was on could have played a major role so we don't have complete details yet keep up on billboards.com for all that as it unfolds in the meantime like i said want to point you in the direction of a couple posts on billboard that i thought were the best most touching stuff that we published around this time so Um, One of them, Andrew Unterberger, writer who you'll hear from later on in this episode, he wrote a really great story about the first song that he listened to from Chris Cornell once he heard the news, just instinctively where his mind went in that grieving process. The story is called, and you can just Google this, it's called Say Hello to Heaven, Why Chris Cornell's Definitive Grunge Eulogy Haunts and Comforts Us on Days Like This. 
He also describes what an amazing vocalist Chris was, even compares him to Whitney Houston of just amazing vocalists from around that era. It's a good piece. Check it out. And also want to shout out a second one by Jason Lipschutz, who's also going to be on this show later. Uh, he did a really good job of reminding us all that Soundgarden was not Chris Cornell's only band. He wrote a piece called Chris Cornell's Other Band, an audio slave appreciation. So check that out. Wanted to put those out there. Um, moving on, I'm about to talk to those same two writers, Andrew Unterberger and Jason Lipschutz, about something else a little bit more lighthearted. Here it goes. story into a podcast because Andrew Underberger from the second that you introduced this story it got the gears turning in my head like this could be I can be... see them I think we sit across from each other I can actually see the gears gears moving we, in we do sit across <laughs> from me yes so you you see my rea- I, sometimes I'm I'm very animated when I sit at my desk or at least I think I am mm-hmm. so I'm sure many people I've worked with over the years have just started to think of me as like the guy who's always laughing to himself at his desk you're you're an open book over there for sure <laughs> So take me through this list that we're about to riff on. What was the inspiration for counting down the best popular rock bands of the 21st century? Well, it was something that came up and came to me as you know, you and I were talking a bunch in the weeks and days leading up to the release of the new Paramore album, After Laughter, which came out, I think, what, two Fridays ago now? Something like that? Yeah, it was uh, April 20th. Yeah. Or no, no, that was the song. May 12th. May 12th, May 12th was the Very album. Good. Uh, and as we were kind of talking about the album and where it fits in the band's catalog and how much we both liked it, because I think we were both pretty big fans of it, uh, it sort of occurred to me that, like, man, like, like they're putting themselves in pretty rare company with this album. And so it's their, it's their fifth album. Uh, I would say that at least four of those albums are pretty great, um, and maybe all five if you want to if, if you want to put their fir- their first album in that discussion. And uh, it just sort of occurred to me, like, like maybe this this album kind of puts them over the top as the best popular rock band of the 21st century uh and then we i started thinking about like oh well who would who would fit with that like who would be their primary competition then i, I talked to you about it and you suggested some bands i talked to jason about it he suggested some bands and it, it was it was an, an interesting enough discussion to me i thought that uh that it was worth you know kind of exploring over the over the you know full staff article and so we got we got you guys we got a couple other writers to kind of uh you know jump in and say like well uh, Paramore is the best rock band, or isn't the best rock band because of, because of this reason, and, or because of this band kind of you know is, is setting the pace. And uh, I thought we had some interesting answers, and I, I, th- I thought we made for a good staff discussion. So, what are our ground rules? And this can be a democratic process. Let's go through our criteria: how we're defining who counts as a quote popular rock band for this list. Well, I think what I what I wrote in the actual article, and it was it was a staff you know it was a staff article, but I wrote the introduction, and, and what I said was that the uh, bands are generally eligible if they either regularly chart top ten albums, like like top ten albums on the on the Billboard 200, or they have top ten hits on like the rock airplay charts. Because I, I think between those two things, you get most of the, of kind of the mainstream covered. Uh, and you know that, that doesn't specify you too closely into any one particular part of the genre, but it, it kind of you know, rules out a lot of the some of the critical favorites that don't really have that kind of mass name recognition. But I'm, I'm sure you guys you know, define it your own way, and everybody defines it probably a little bit differently. And yeah. also, there's you could take into account touring. Like I was thinking, mm-hmm. bands who play arenas, play this, play stadiums, or on the circuit of festival headliners, and even in some circumstances 
artists who had a big mainstream exposure moment with something on live TV, like a big Grammy nomination to win, like for Arc- Arcade Fire, Bonnie Vare, some things like sure. that. Future Islands, maybe. From Letterman? Yeah, maybe. Mm, we'll, we'll, <laughs> well, we'll, 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 we'll see. So let's say I think we all made our own lists here. I'll start things off. I'll go through my my top five, and maybe we define things differently. I think we're going to have a lot of debate either way. So, my number five band, and I thought I, this this was the tricky. My first four came to me pretty naturally, but that fifth spot was between a few. I thought about Coldplay. I thought about the Killers. I went with Lincoln Park for number five. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. May, maybe they're on some of your lists as well, Andrew. Your list is like twenty-five bands long, so it's, they're <laughs> yeah, probably on there. Like a park's well represented on my list. I'll say that much. Um, I, they're a band that I think are much better than critics have given them credit for over the years. I give them a ton of ton of uh, of credit for evolving and changing. Whether or not people were really into what they were doing, I think. By and large, it was interesting stuff that really was in touch with what what pop was doing and what hi- where hip hop was going and where maybe uh, turntable members of rock <laughs> bands were going. But they they took some risks. Not all of it sucked. But hey, I like Lincoln Park. What can I say? Um, it's hard not to. And we'll go quicker through the rest of these because I think a lot of this will be on other people's lists and we'll debate. Four, I put Fallout Boy. Three, Arcade Fire. Two Paramore and one up a Vampire Weekend. Yeah, a lot of there's a lot of uh, overlap there. Yeah, it's I think it's hard to argue with most of those. Certainly being in the mix at the very least. Uh, so Vampire Weekend, the, the the one thing that was the main drawback for me there, and I know we've talked about this a little bit, is that uh, only three albums to draw from, and, and you know they're three great albums, but for you know the, the, a century that's been around for 17 years now, that's that's not a lot of production, generally speaking. They take their time. They do do that. Yes. And that's kind of, that's only three albums, but three, I think, just impeccable albums. And that's kind of where a band like The Killers didn't quite make the list for me, because they have, mm-hmm. well, four, plus they've released more music over the years. They had a B-Sides compilation, they've had holiday Christmas, albums. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think really, when it comes down to it, two great albums, and then you take it from there. Are you... Are you- Counting Samstown as one of those two great albums. Yeah, Hot Fuss and Samstown. So I actually listened to that album for the first time last week. I don't know why oh, I just, just passed over it back in the day. I'm, I'm going to take slight issue with the, the the referring to that as a great album. I think it's, <laughs> it's 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 a good album with some great songs on it. But I I don't know if I can go. Do you go all the way with that as a great album, Jason? I mean, it's tough because they they're such a singles band yeah. and. Would you even consider Hot Fuss like a great album? I don't even know. Yeah, I think we, we've sort of started to like but round same, up with that album yeah. over the years. It's but at the same time, I, I like, I, I mean, even um, with Day and Age and, and Battleborn, I mm-hmm. like those singles too. And, and you guys mentioned their Christmas stuff. I, they probably are like the great you know, Christmas songwriting band of yeah, the 21st century, which is not like a small thing. You know, I, that, that, that's, that's, no, that's a major feather. I, in the think, I think it might be a small thing. <laughs> hey man, that's, that's a rich legacy. All right. Uh, you can do a lot worse than being the best Christmas writing some of a rock band of the 21st century. That's fair. Oh man. All right. I want to, I want to hear your list, Andrew. Okay. Uh, so uh, you mentioned Coldplay already. Oh, first of all, I'll say that I, I don't know if I did this intentionally, but just looking at my list kind of in aggregate now, I think I definitely like, I, I made longevity a major priority with yeah. my list. Uh, so I, most of my, I think the, of my five bands, 
three of them, I think, actually released albums in 2000 and kind of go all the way up to, to either last year or this year. Uh, so on that note, my number five was Coldplay, which you already mentioned. Uh, and, like, it, it's kind of hard to gauge them because they, they never felt like a great band in the moment. But you kind of look back and it's like, wow, like, like, like they, you know, they, they've, they've had such a like a long spanning career of just nonstop hits basically like, like yeah going like, like i think the last song i heard on the way in here was our like pa system playing something just like this which is that would have yeah this is like their second biggest hit ever you know, you know whatever 18 years in it's pretty incredible uh and you know they, they've they've managed to evolve with the times you know some would say uh you know they've kind of followed them a little bit too closely but i'm, I'm actually like a pretty big fan of, of some of their edm leaning stuff and just they got there all the way from being, you know, like, like they used to be thought of as Radiohead ripoffs, but now yeah. they're, they're like still, they're still in the mix, and then there's they're still like pumping out hits. That and I, I never don't like a Coldplay single, pretty much. You know, don't don't love all of them, but there there aren't many that I just straight up don't like. What would you? What would be your least favorite Coldplay single? Uh, either Trouble or Fix You. Fix You, I really can't stand actually. Yo, you don't like Trouble? That's a great yeah, song. It's a little watery for, for my taste. It is pretty watery. But like Fix You, like somehow became like the the second biggest Coldplay song ever. Like kind of just uh, like I think if you go on Spotify, it's, it has like the second yeah, highest. Yeah, it's a tough one. Don't understand that. Uh, so my, my number four is, is another band that's, that spans all the way, which it actually goes back a little bit earlier, which is uh, the Deftones. Or just Deftones. I'm See, sure. I was wondering you if they pr- counted uh, for this. Uh, so why, why not? Why wouldn't they? Are they, are they not a, a popular rock band? No, no. Just w- with your criteria, uh, sure. I was, I was just thinking you were saying top tens of the album charts or airplay charts. I was thinking more like number ones or top fives. Well, I, I is, can't remember if Deftones officially ever had a number one album. They certainly they regularly chart in the top ten album-wise. I, I think the last one was, was a top five. I could be wrong, but... Uh, I mean, yeah, they're 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 usually in that that strata, I think, and then they certainly had their share of radio hits, uh, particularly around the turn of the century. Sure, uh, and yeah, well, I'd say probably one of the most you know consistently interesting and innovative metal bands of of, of certainly of the mainstream realm. Yeah, uh, you know, gorgeous production, amazing riffs, uh, great cover band too. Maybe the best uh, cover band of the century. Just you know, everything from like. Sade to Duran Duran and, and <laughs> Jawbox and like all, all stuff like that and then always very reliable and their new album last year was 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 quite awesome Gore yeah and it, it outsold that. the one before it yeah, yeah. which so, is not a thing a lot of rock bands do these days great album they're also number four on my list yeah oh, they, they, they would have made mine probably yeah. or yeah probably yeah if I was just thinking a little bit differently sure sure. Uh, number three, uh, it's kind of like a new, I guess, a new entrant to the the mainstream discussion, at least like on this side of the Atlantic, which is Arctic Monkeys. Oh, I, a, you yeah, know what? I, I forgot them entirely. Yeah, wow. it was one that we, we I don't think we ever discussed in the days leading up to the list. It just occurred to me for the first it, time. Today. It's been like four years since they put out an album. Yeah. yeah, it's been way too long, and they only have I think four, four albums. Yeah, yeah. so uh, they, they're also kind of in that Vampire Weekend discussion of like. Uh, you know, they they have the 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 quality, but not necessarily the volume. But those those four albums are pretty pretty goddamn good. And I would say that the last one, which was AM, I think it was 2012, was was the best one. Yeah, and and definitely the one that like made them like rock stars in the US as well as in the UK, where they've obviously been been very big since the start. Uh, and, and yeah, I just think that they, you know, Alex Turner, I think he writes better songs than just about anybody else. Uh, and like that, you know, they they've been they've evolved kind of slowly. They you know, they started off as more of like a libertines like kind of like not necessarily a punk band but certainly like an up tempo rock band and yeah. now they've kind of like settled into this like lounge singer kind of vibe <laughs> and and like 
it's, it's, it reminds me a lot of, of Pulp in the 90s and, uh, and a band I'm actually going to see a lot tonight, which is Afghan Wigs. And they're, they're both kind of like, like bands that write about the really seedier side of, of love and sex and, and, and just nocturnal activity in general. And they're super good at it, I think. I, I, I thought about them, but I'm not a, as big a fan on their second and third albums. Okay, that, that's I mean, fair. I, think I, I, I actually have been meaning to, to revisit their third album, the one, third the awesome. Josh Homme album. But mm. yeah, I just, you know, I, I agree. I think their first and fourth albums are, are really, really great. And, and the, the other two were kind of transition. Don't they have five? Wasn't it there? It was whatever people say, and that's what I'm not. There was favorite worst nightmare. Then there was humbug. Humbug, was suck, oh, it, suck it, and see. Okay, and it was the fourth one. Yeah. Oh wait, there's was a the fourth one. one? Then I'm yeah. totally suck it and see is really good. I don't. I, I, I don't, don't remember. Know. I don't. Need, wow. I, I don't remember the fourth popular. one. All right. <laughs> see, I, I took my credibility a little bit here, but I totally forgot about them for this this list. But I've actually thought before what the best popular rock song of this. Mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe more this decade with this, but this would probably make a century list for me. Do I want to know? Sure. Yep. The best big popular rock song of the 2010s, Certainly maybe of yeah. the 2000s. Yeah. Probably not the 2000s, but top five 2000s, maybe. Cool. All right, so number two on my list, uh, you already mentioned, is Linkin Park. Uh, just Wow, that's really yeah, high. Well, look, so I'm not, I'm not going to go and say that like I love every Linkin Park album. I haven't actually even heard every every Linkin Park album. But, like, I just think that if you look at what, like, a, if you were to ask somebody, like, in 1999, like, what a, what a 21st century rock band should sound like and should kind of do with its music, they'd probably say that, like, like okay, they should, they should, like, they should blend a bunch of different genres. They should kind of sound futuristic with their production. And they should be able to kind of compete with, like, rap and dance music in terms of just, like, like, sh- like sheer volume of sound and, like, ability to really, like, get people going. Like, I, I think that Linkin Park is that uh you know i mean obviously their songwriting hasn't always aged as well uh but i do think that they're actually like very underrated as song structures at the very least like if you like mapped out everything that's going on and in the end like it's insane how many layers there are to that song i think that's one of the best songs of the century just like straight up and they have like a good like five or six other singles that are on or close to that level Uh, so i i have no i have no problem putting them number two on this list uh, and I guess, number one, I guess I won't talk about much, but what was Paramore, and you know, we, we we sort of covered them. I think, well, you've particularly covered them fairly extensively on uh, Alternative Facts, and just you know, the band they, they they probably have, I would say, the most great songs of any of the bands that we're discussing. That that's a, a pretty subjective thing, but I, I just think that uh, you know, the, the their their singles get to kind of a rarefied place uh, as far as rock rock songwriting goes. And they've they've evolved, but not not as, not as dramatically as, as Coldplay or Linkin Park. But they've they've managed to not get locked into any one particular moment in time, which is hard to do, uh, especially for a band that started out as like a fairly straight up pop punk band. Yeah, they they were like a mall punk warp tour thing, and yeah. with finally with this album cycle, they've pretty much transcended <laughs> that and made people stop calling them that. And that's so damn hard to do, yeah. but they did it. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, and you know the new album is awesome. The new, the new single is, uh, sounds like a future classic, uh, and I, I, they, they've been at that level for four albums now, which is which is not something that a lot of the bands on this list can, can say. So that, yeah, that, that's my number one. All right. Well, I, you guys listed four of my five. Uh, the oh, so, one, so which so which are the four? So um, number four is Deftones. Number three is Paramore for me. Number two, Sea Pain is number one. Uh, Vampire Weekend number one for me is Arcade Fire. I just think just a quick word about Arcade Fire. I just think like 
I, I wrote about this when we did this. I just think they have the highest highs of. I, I mean, when it comes to Paramore, I I love like I love Paramore. I've seen them live a bunch, um, and you know I, I I own multiple Paramore albums. But there's no album that I would like. I can't really point to any of their albums. I guess the the self title would get the closest and be like, this is a classic, and like. I feel like I can do that for Arcade Fire, at least for Funeral, and then like runs on Neon Bible and and uh, the Suburbs. I can I can really say it. there's just nothing that approaches that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I think that's what uh, compelled me to pick them number one. I just think that from where I, you know we're talking about transitions from where they started with Funeral to where they are now, um, and I and and frankly, like they're the they're the band that like. Even though I didn't even love Reflector, I think they're the band that, like, I still am really the most excited about when they come back and the most interested in to see where they're going to go next. Yeah, I mean, that's all totally fair, and I I, I agree with you about, like, the the super high highs. I mean, they they do things that other bands can't do. Yeah. Uh, My main reservation with Arcade Fire is, like, a very amorphous thing, which is that I can always hear them trying (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Though? It's like I watching mean, Win Butler ball in the NBA celebrity all exactly. Game. Like the effort is going five hundred times harder, <laughs> trying so much more than everyone else on that court. Which, yeah. which I love in the celebrity all star game, but maybe not, not as record, much yeah. on record. And, and like you, you know, you can hear the things that he's trying to do, and you can hear what like 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 the people he's trying to emulate, and like the messages he's trying to get across. It's all very very apparent to me. Uh, which isn't to say that like Paramore like in this influence yeah. influenceless band that kind of exists on their own plane, but like I do feel like Haley Williams is kind of her own thing as a songwriter, and I don't often feel like Paramore are like oh this is our like Bruce Springsteen moment or this is our Talking yeah. Heads moment. It's just like Paramore is Paramore, but like certainly I have no problem with Arcade Fire. Yeah, and list. so my number five, uh, I I had Radiohead as my number five. Oh, well, that's interesting. Um, just because you know I I. I think that you can still classify them as a popular rock band enough, even though, you know, they've obviously kind of dabbled in different sounds and stuff. And I think that, you know, Kid A, we're talking about Kid A on when we're talking about this century. Uh, I think, you know, not every album has been a classic, but I think that they have enough of them to really get there, especially from 2000 to 2007. Um, And I like, I loved Moonshade Pool. I, I think that, I think that album's awesome. Um, and I know Andrew, you're you're a bigger King of Limbs fan than I am. Uh, so I'm a bigger King of Limbs fan than you are, but you're definitely a bigger Moonshade Pool. Yeah, give I, me that Moonshade Pool. I, 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 I swim I, in it all night. Like that's my least favorite Radiohead album. Really? Oh man. Well, you know, what can you what can you do? Yeah, no, but I'm a, a Pablo Honey supporter, so yeah, like, there clearly you go. My, my opinions of Radiohead do not, uh, <laughs> not follow along the mainstream track there. Yeah, and I think with, with Radiohead and Beyond, I think there's something to be said at least mentioning some of these bands that really had their heyday before 2000, but still hung in there with good yeah. material and are still with us now. I mean, we got to mention the Foo Fighters. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they are a little bit overrated in some, in a lot of like the mainstream rock canon and where certain people hold them up. I'd like their songwriting to be more diverse. I think it's gotten kind of samey over the past yeah. several albums. But I mean, if you're going with since 2000, that's like... The last single cycle that wouldn't count would be like the Learn to Fly era. That was like 99. Everything since then, which is a good amount of yeah. big Foo Fighters hit songs, is this millennium. 
I think Foo Fighters kind of get grandfathered into this discussion just by sole virtue of them being like the a band. <laughs> well, that, that too, but by having but, a member of Sunny Day Real Estate in it, all of these things. Why? But also just that, like they've been the most vocal proponent of rock music in the mainstream space since 2000, sure. and, and probably not even like a close second to that. So I, I think that even if they don't have the song catalog to get in the discussion, they are they are so they've become so synonymous with 21st century rock in general that I feel like you have to at least mention their name. So. I'm glad that you did that. Yeah. Did any of you guys think of Strokes, White Stripes? Yeah, yeah I'm yes. surprised neither of you guys said the White Stripes. They were close to making my list. Um, again, kind of like the the Arcade Fire, just like the highs are so high, but I just don't don't think the consistency. And I think it would be fair Only too Lindsay to was here. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would be and to help them with this. I think it would be fair to combine Jack White solo stuff with the yeah yeah yeah, yeah just the as like and the, stuff in there too. Well, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't as so much thinking that, but maybe, but just like white solo albums with the uh, with the white stripes because it's basically just jack white's mm-hmm. body of songwriting yeah. work and if you're gonna do that and he still plays those he still plays all the white stripe songs when you mm-hmm. see jack white live now yep so if you're gonna do that you can probably throw damon albarn into that discussion too uh if you combine gorillas with blur's 21st Ooh, century work solo stuff good the bad and the queen i mean i don't i don't know if he gets it. <laughs> blur, blur's he's close to the top five and then the blur, good, the bad, and the queen. blur have two great albums this century and i'll go go to bat for those over most radiohead albums from the century Oh. Uh, not Kid A, obviously, but most of the others. Uh, but yeah, also the you know, pre twentieth century and post thirteen. I forgot that thirteen. Yeah, that was this century. century. No, that, yeah. that actually no, that was wasn't. But oh, was it? Think Tank and the Magic Whip. I thought I thought thirteen was two thousand, but ninety nine. Pretty sure. All right. Well, Think Tank. Yeah. But but yeah, Strokes. Uh, I, I would I would say Strokes over White Stripes just because of the, I, there's one Strokes album that I think probably you know it, it, is this it probably gets them in this discussion just just solely on its own. Yeah, yeah, and I would say I like kind of the, the post peak Strokes stuff better than the post peak Stripes stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was fair. the one the one they put out in twenty? 20- 11 with Undercover of Darkness on it. Angles. Angles. I really like Angles. Yeah, I like that album too. I really did not care for Come Down Machine at all. I like Come Down Machine. (laughs) (laughs) It's very on brand for you to like Come Down Machine. That's a good album. Uh, I can't remember. Did you say the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's when kind of recapping those? I was just like, did you guys consider them? Because they were close. They're kind of missing an iconic album, but just overall and live show and just how they've been influential and just how well like Heads will roll and zero hold up now, even though they haven't. I would say, I would say they would have made my list if they didn't release that last album. Oh, that I've, last album's not good. I really <laughs> disliked what was it, Mosquito, Mosquito. right? Yeah, Mosquito, a tough, Mosquito. a tough album. But you know, um, yeah, they they came super close because of the first three, for sure. Did you guys think of Green Day at all? Yeah, no. I I, th- <laughs> I thought of them, but it's just yeah, like it's kind of the same thing where the '90s so outweighs. Uh, the the two thousands on yeah I mean I love American Idiot and I, can, I can never remember whether or not Warning came out in this century ninety nine so no, oh, it, no. It's, it's, so it would be American Idiot and Sins then no end of discussion <sighs> right, I think I think you would you would start by counting the new songs written for international <laughs> right the, the the pop rocks and coke and Maria yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I mean yeah. like I'll, give me those over all of twenty first century breakdown I guess but I, I, <laughs> I, I, really, I really don't care for post American Idiot Green Day so I, they're, they're not damn twenty one I mean, guns weeps yeah. <laughs> an anti 21 gun salute to, to Green Day. Now, I, I, but, you're, but yeah, I mean, we have to say their name, same thing as Foo Fighters, basically, because they have been one of the you know three or four biggest rock bands of the century. But uh, no, not, not in the mix for me. And here's just a bunch of others as I rattle off my list that I thought at least qualified for 
consideration uh, from ones who were definitely a, a previous era, but still big throughout this century. Metallica, Pearl Jam, U2, and then others that got big this century. Black Keys, Kings of Leon, Red Hot, Ch- or another one, older one, Red, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Mumford & Sons, Lumineers, Five Seconds of Summer, 21 Pilots, Limp Biscuit, Jason, yeah. <laughs> Cobra Starship, All-American Cobra Rejects. Starship. They were really <laughs> yeah. They were really big. They had like, hit singles over like three they album had, cycles. Like, two songs. Come on, Chris. We're really, we're really <laughs> Cobra Starship. In they had session. Snakes on a they Plane. They made Good Girls Go Bad. <laughs> snakes on a Plane, Good <laughs> Girls Go Bad. They had a song with Leighton Meester. Come on, I, I, I did like the Leighton Meester <laughs> song, but then, uh, I'm, I'm whatever. Sure, let's. You know, we're, we're probably not going to rep for Cobra Starship much harder than this. So I'm glad they got they, they that's got awesome. Mention <laughs> Panic at the Disco, Modest Mouse, Death Cab. I thought about Modest Mouse, but I, I just I, their last two albums, I guess, were pretty forgettable mm-hmm. to me. First, first half of the century for sure, and also the same thing with Death Cab. Like Transatlanticism yeah. is a classic in my book. Plans is a good album. After yeah. that, it's kind of hit or miss for me. Some good stuff, but just some middle of the road stuff. Yeah. Did you say My Chemical Romance in that bunch? I thought about they're on my too. list. I think I forgot to say them, but yeah, okay. they definitely qualify, and they probably would have been between five and ten for me. Uh, and also, we yeah. should at least mention that there's just a whole world of hard rock and like metal bands who are really big, put out albums that sell a ton, still like six figure sales opening weeks. Bands like Disturbed, Breaking Benjamin, Five Finger Death Punch, Shine Down, for sure, Stains, and some years past earlier this century, Daughtry, Three Doors Down, Nickelback. Ooh. I was wondering how long it was going to take you to mention Nickelback, but, but yeah, <laughs> pop, are, are they the best selling rock band of this millennium? It's probably them or Linkin Park, right? Yeah, I mean, d- doesn't but they both have Diamond albums this century, right? <sighs> yeah, Nickelback would, just got theirs. I so. feel like Linkin Park probably has them beat. If I were to guess, I would have guessed Nickelback. Yeah, I, I think I think Linkin Park might have them beat just because they've had so many. I, I think they've had more albums. So well, yeah. Know. If you throw in like the Jay Z album, you throw in yeah. Reanimation. There's been a lot of live yeah. stuff. Whereas Nickelback's mostly just been standard studio albums. Yeah. By the way, shame on me for not even mentioning Collision Chorus during my Linkin. Come Park on. <laughs> uh, uh, can I do a quick shout out to a band that isn't probably eligible for this yet, but will be in a couple albums time? Give it to me. 1975. Yeah, certainly on pace, I would say. But you know, the first two albums—they're both just dynamite, like greatest hits collections in their own right, almost. Uh, and they're only getting more popular. They're only getting better. Cool. Is there anything else you guys think we should touch on? Muse. Oh, I, I, did, did, I did have Muse written wow. down. I mean, no, that's that's down. an oversight on my part. Yeah. I mean, they absolutely should at least be discussed. <laughs> they're one, they're one of the biggest. Yeah. And I mean, I would. Who's repping for the drones out here? <laughs> I mean, I would come come to bat for um, was it black holes and absolutions? Uh, black Re- holes, revelations, revelations, revelations with absolution. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, absolution. Absolution is a different album. Yeah, that was yeah, one before. Totally. It. Well, actually, yes. that album is good I'm too. Not a big, I'm that, not a big. That's, that's <laughs> one with hyster- I never understood about. That's the one with hysteria yeah. on it, right? Yeah, that's the one with hysteria and time is running out. Those are both really great. Yeah, they're songs. good songs. Yeah. Uh, one band that, that we didn't talk about, and I think probably wouldn't come to mind for this, even though they're actually like. One of like the the probably, they're probably the band that are headlining the most festivals this summer is, is Phoenix. I had them on my list actually. They yeah, were in yeah. my t- they were in my top ten. I, th- I I didn't really think they qualified for mine, but they had. I mean, they they've had chart topping rock hits. They they have they're incredible. Pretty yeah, good, pretty high selling albums. I, I mean, like they 
it's it's funny because like if you had told me in 2004 that Phoenix would be like at all relevant to this discussion 13 years later, I would have laughed at their you. Their second win is incredible. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty something. But like, like their new songs are awesome, and obviously uh, Wolfgang Amadeus is probably. I think that, that, that that's kind of grown in esteem over the years. Probably yeah. one of the classic albums of its period. Yep. Uh, and they've never put out a bad album, never put out a bad single. So I think they're I think they're in the discussion yeah, for sure. I agree. I totally. Yeah, they were. In, they almost made my top five, but sadly did not. So there you go. Cool. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Uh, shout out your Twitter handles and some projects you're working Ooh. on right now. Jeez. Uh, uh, at AU Get Off My Gold on Twitter. Uh, and, uh, you know, listen to Coming Around Again, uh, the, the new Pop Shop podcast airs every Thursday. Uh, this this week we're talking about the Batman and Robin soundtrack. What? I yeah, didn't know that. I'm very excited for that. With uh, Gotham City by R. Kelly? With Gotham City by R. Kelly. I love that. Which, which is aged better than I would have expected, by the way. But more, more, more to come on that. Yeah, one, what a tease. Uh, I'm at Jason Lipschutz, and um, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm working on now. <laughs> I'm on the Must Hear Music podcast with Joe and Lindsay. We'll uh, hopefully be talking about Linkin Park again. <laughs> Thanks again to Jason and Andrew for coming on. Go check out Andrew's article where you can see all of our staff picks. It's called, Is Paramore the Best Popular Rock Band of the 21st Century? Staff Debate. So tweet us at your takes, your opinions. They gave their Twitter handles. Mine is at plane. Tell us how stupid we are. Make fun of us or how much we like Linkin Park. Yell at us for not liking you two enough. I don't know. It's all about the discourse, right? All about the discourse. I'm here for it. So anyway, before we get to our next segment. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a little word from our sponsor. All right, we're back. Up next, interview time. It's me chatting with, actually, a member of the band that I had atop my rock bands list. This is Chris Bayo. You might know him as the bass player from Vampire Weekends. Yeah, they were my number one band, so tried to not nerd out too much in this, but... Uh, Chris came by because he has a solo album coming out. It's actually his second. And if you like Vampire Weekend, you'll probably be into this. Uh, to get, together, we did one of the first interviews for his last solo album that was on my old podcast, The Alt and Our Stars. So, you know, we're basically old friends by this point. This was actually the first interview he did promoting his new album. I was very glad to hear that. Glad he picked me to kick off the promo cycle. So here it is, me chatting with Chris Bayo from Vampire Weekends. So sounds like you're you're settling into doing the solo stuff, also doing Vampire Weekend. Are you starting to feel like you think of yourself more so now, just predominantly as Chris Bayo, just musician, solo, as opposed to just Chris from the band? 
Well, to be honest, like at this point, the last five years, I mean, uh, Modern Vampires came out, but I've put out two EPs, a single, and now two full records, and it has taken up more of my time than the band's not um, necessarily by choice. It kind of just happened that way. So I think that, yeah, I do. I, I, I just think of myself as a musician at this point, and um, being in the band is a part of that, and doing this is a part of it. Yeah, the new music is a neat extension because I think where the last album seemed like it was really rooted in DJing a show, mm-hmm. some of the tracks were completely instrumental. It was more of an electronic thing. This seems like it's more held together by lyrics, a concept, more of a pop rock kind of album. Yeah, I think that that's definitely true. Um, I mean, still, the the way I made it is not that different from the first time around where um, I, I really was thinking of this as an album and wrote it as an album i don't like the first record it's nine songs and they're kind of two um continuous dj mixes and and this album the songs a lot of the songs still do flow together and when i'm working on something i'll think like what kind of song would come after that song if i write like a song like uh philosophy which is the first single where where does it go like how do you get from point a to point b and I find it a useful way if I don't necessarily have an idea for a track to kind of just imagine the way that it would flow together on a record. So in that way, it's the same. It's just, if I'm going to be honest, I I played a hundred shows on the first record and I felt a lot more confident in my voice and maybe first time around I'd sort of simplify melodies or lean on instrumentals. Uh, I really felt kind of just going for it at this point and not being afraid, not fearing melodies, if you will. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. There were certain melodies that I wrote the first time around that I was like, no, I, I won't be able to do this live. I won't like, um, I'll just sound like trash. It'll just sound like garbage coming out of my mouth. I'm going to simplify the melody. But this time I kind of didn't have a fear because I sang way more than I would have been singing in the like, you know, 20 years leading up to when the first record came out. More than just like, I guess before doing the solo shows, it would have been maybe some backing vocals on like White Sky or something or California English. Yeah, pretty low press, not yeah. too high up in the mix. A punk also? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Gang vocals are very undefined. Yeah, definitely. Very open to interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> it also seems like with the new album you're much more in this persona, which probably you would be the best ones to explain to the listeners what that is because it's a very defined persona for this album. Sure. Um I was thinking about it, and basically, the place I'm coming from on this record is kind of the same as last time, which is, uh, I moved to London four years ago, and I've been an American living in London for that time. And when that happens, you feel a bit different about, or I found I felt a bit different about my Americanness, what my relationship is. I think you become a bit more aware of how American you are when you leave America. And I think that's the same for coming from any country when you leave the country you're more aware of your identity the thing is being an american in london in 2014 when i wrote the first record and being an american in london in 2016 very different things due to what was happening and going on in the world and kind of feeling a fear a a panic and an anxiety and you know all along i was traveling back to the states and, and doing tours and and playing music but like I don't know I just was starting to go crazy and I got to this point where 
the only thing I was reading was the news, and, and the only way I could focus on something that wasn't the news was to make another record. I didn't plan on making another record so quickly. It was kind of like um, uh, a, a way to keep my sanity, to like kind of sublimate all my anxiety and my panic into a record. So um, I call the record Man of the World because I was traveling through the world, American living in London, but also because I was really fearful for the direction the world was taking. Yeah, it's like, do you feel being in London now, do you sort of feel like all the weight of the craziness, the terribleness of American politics is just kind of on your shoulders and you have to rep for it? I think so. I think it's a part of your identity. And, like, it's something that I was wearing and, and feeling because it's what people want to talk about. And also, I guess... The origin of the record is really um, end of June last year, so almost exactly a year ago when um, the Brexit vote came in and England voted to leave, uh, the United Kingdom voted to leave the European Union. And that morning I was traveling to Berlin from London to see some friends. While I was on the way to the airport, this is the Friday, um, I want to say the 23rd, or I think it's the 24th, the vote came in. It was official. They were leaving the European Union. Got on a plane to Berlin, landed in Berlin, turned my phone back on, and saw that um, Cameron was stepping down. And, it, you know, it, it was weird. The The plane got really, really loud and raucous all of a sudden because the news hit, you know, the people on there. And at that moment, I well, you get off the plane, and then you go through customs control, and you see the European Union logo everywhere. And it just felt very, very surreal and kind of like living in this, living in a historical moment. I think it's pretty, depending on where you're from, what you're doing, you can kind of live your life outside of history. You're not thinking about what's going on in the world every second of the day. But in that moment, I felt very much like I was living in history. And I felt the fear for the world that I talked about earlier, because in that moment, everyone had been saying that Brexit was not going to happen. And that became the first moment where it seemed like uh, Trump's victory was a possibility. And I spent that weekend in Berlin with some British friends who live there unsure of what their status will be and like just feeling an anxiety that kind of never went away. It sort of kicked into the um, a lot of the more intense parts of the last election. And uh, yeah, it was that fear, man. Let's drop in some music. This is philosophy. Caps lock, exclamation point, philosophy. want to go with this one as the first song to share um what i liked about it um is that it was it felt dancey but in a way that is different to a lot of dancey music because i think um there's a lot of really great dancey music i think a large percentage of music that comes out has a danceability and i think this one leaning a little bit heavier on the funk side and having this kind of combination of really fake canned string uh, horns, rather, and uh, 
some funk guitar. I don't know. It just felt like a, a really fresh track, and I think it's pretty catchy. But I wrote it. Well, who do, what do I know? Are you still doing the white blazer thing? Oh, yeah. I got one uh, on the chair behind me right now. <laughs> just making sure. Just making sure to see if it's going to make it to the live show, too, It gets tough. I, I buy really cheap ones because they get really dirty. <laughs> How many do you have in rotation for a tour? Usually I have, like, I'll just buy two at the beginning of a tour and then have two non-white. Those tend to be a little bit sturdier. They hold up a little more. Yeah, and I remember that look where you, you linked it back to the influences on the first album because you were talking about a lot of like Bowie and Roxy music and, mm-hmm. and that sounds like it still plays a role in this album too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I think back to last year, it really began with Bowie dying and, you know, Bowie and David Bowie and Brian Ferry are my two favorite artists of all time. And like living in London, I got to go to Brixton where he, you know, lived at the, you know, the first six years of his life. I got to leave flowers on his um, like childhood home, like in front of his childhood home. And even, um, where I decided to record this album, I, I worked in a studio in Brixton, and um, I don't know if you saw, but like when he passed, there were um, there was a big like gathering in Brixton in front of this uh, huge wall of the Aladdin Sane cover. Have you ever seen like pictures of people posting that? I think I have. Yeah, but so the studio I, I made this record in, basically, it was right up the street from there. So. Um, Every day when I'd walk to the studio or take the bus, I'd walk past this big mural of Bowie and um, sort of see all the flowers in front of it. And it's kind of a nice reminder, both of, you know, my favorite artists of all time, but how music can touch people, how important it is. It's like a become kind of a tourist stop in London. You go there and, and leave flowers. And uh, it's something to something really nice to keep in mind when you're working on a record. Yeah, just kind of give like a hat tip, a nod to Bowie as you walk by. Oh, yeah. Like holding your coffee about to hit the studio in the morning. Totally. Yeah, I'd say what up to the mural. How are things in Vampire Weekend land these days? Well, yeah, I think one of the nice things about doing interviews now is that there is a definitive update. Mm. And uh, Ezra posted it to Instagram. So I wouldn't be putting out this record if the Vampire Weekend record were imminent. But it's definitely coming. And... I think everyone should be excited for it. Mitsubishi Macchiato. <laughs> yep. That's a very Vampire Weekend sounding name. That was my instinctive response yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. <laughs> is it a joke or is that for real? Only time will tell, my friend. Time will reveal lots of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what is like, um, has you think your role in like contributing bass and whatever else the albums, is it kind of changing for this time around because it's it seems like the album is going to be breaking out of that first trilogy of vampire weekend albums yeah i think so i think that um you know one of the nice things about the band is that everything has been very open-ended and um you know there are even tracks on like contra that like taxicab i don't play bass on that song so it really just depends on serving the song and, and coming up with the best possible idea so it's pretty open-ended but i don't know that it's necessarily i mean Things will definitely be different this time, but I don't really want to talk too much about it now because I I never really like... I think putting out a song and hearing the song after not expecting it is almost always way more exciting than teasing something or, or 
offering hints for months or sometimes years on end. So I would rather um, kind of not speak too much to it and keep the element of surprise and keep things exciting. Other, you know, just to kind of repeat what I said, like people should be excited. Describing the way a song sounds without anyone being able to hear the song is kind of anticlimactic. I would agree. <laughs> what do you think of CT, Chris Thompson's solo album? I love it. He, um, yeah, he, he played it to me very, very early on. It's it's kind of nice. And actually, I listened to him on uh, Jesse Cohen's podcast, No uh-huh. Effects. Um, but Jesse said something toward the end that I really liked, where he said that Vampire Weekend, in a way, can kind of be like Wu-Tang, where they're all the members have different projects. People are doing different interesting things. You know, like Ezra has a radio show. Rostam produced a ton of really great stuff and put out a record with Hamilton and has a record coming. And CT's record, I, I mean, I love it. Like, he he played stuff to me very early on. Actually, I think the last time I spoke with you, two years ago when I was in town, one day I went to his place in Brooklyn and he played me a lot of the demos. And um, I told him I thought Pat Carney from the Black Keys would be a good producer. And, yeah, I love the way that it came out. I, I listen to it regularly. Yeah. It must be crazy just you know, knowing he's your boy from back in college and knowing what he was like back then. And I don't know if you ever like heard him just jam on the acoustic guitar back then, but seeing just how (laughs) he would have changed from just being the CT you knew back then. to like, have you seen the shows like watching him on stage doing his thing from out from behind the drum set? No, I really, um, I, he hasn't played London yet. I really, um, would love to see a show. Definitely. I, uh, I've seen some, some grainy footage and it looks great. You know, he, it's interesting. He's a youngish American. That's the name of his album. Mm-hmm. You're a man of the world. <laughs> Very nicely tied together. <laughs> I swear I didn't. That's like nowhere on this list well, that I'm showing to you right really now like for those that. listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what do you have coming up? Are, is it like tricky, a challenge to balance your solo <clears throat> stuff, maybe a tour with what Vampire Weekend might have ahead? Um. You know, I think there it ends up working out actually because like um Ezra lives in LA, so putting out a record I tend to travel more. So like uh I don't know honestly how much I'm going to be able to tour this record. I I would like to and then sort of see see the schedule is not concrete. I don't have a good answer for you, I guess. Um but I I do plan on playing some shows around the release and um kind of hopefully in the fall as well. And when is the release? June 30th, coming up. June 30th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, and you did a lot of touring behind the first album. Yeah, definitely. It was. Um, I played 100 shows. And I, the only reason I know that is because at the beginning of every show, I would say what number show it was, because there was a pop-punk band I liked as a teenager that did it, the Lawrence Arms. But I don't oh, know if I'm cool. going to... I'm, I'm debating right now whether or not I'm going to keep the tally going. Interesting. <laughs> Chicago pop-punk. Yeah, great band. You like Lawrence Arms or Alkaline Trio more? Oh, I loved Alkaline Trio coming up in the game. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. I downloaded the leak. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this. I might get prosecuted later. I downloaded <laughs> the leak of, um, wait, what's the one? What's the one where Private Eye is the first song? Oh, From Here to Infirmary. Yeah, yeah. That was a shit. That's my favorite trio album. It's, it's pretty tight. Yeah, I actually, I remember 
when Crimson leaked when I was in high school, someone burnt me a copy and like wrote yeah. out all the like the titles of the tracks on it. But nice. That was my experience with getting actually pirated Vampire I, Weekend or pirated Blind Trio music. What? No, I I think I pirate. Okay, from here to Infirmary. What year was that? No, there uh, was the one after. Fuck. I good sound morning. very I, old I, right I, now. No, so I, good morning. I downloaded the leak of that as well, and then I saw them at CBGB before it came out, and I was singing along. Like with every word, and if he fucking knew, I pirated that shit. <laughs> Actually, I was I played a show in Paris a week before my album came out, and there was this one absolute maniac in front. He was probably like in his late forties, hammered, but he was singing along to every song, and I have no idea how he did it. It was quite distracting just because the album wasn't out yet, and I was kind of trying to figure him out. Huh. When you're performing, you should focus on the performance, but sometimes it gets difficult. When there's one very enigmatic person in the crowd who you just have to you figure out. You just want to stop the song and say, dude, okay, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, I guess... How somewhere... do you know all these words? <laughs> the album's not out yet. Is there anything else important in this worldly man-of-the-world talk Think we should touch on? I don't know. I think that... It's very hard now to transition to an earnest response because this is a very... I mean, there's like fucking around on the record, but it is a fairly earnest record um, where I was... uh, And still I'm pretty scared about the direction the world is heading in. So I think that if the record makes people... It's not a record that's going to be an escape from what's going on in the Trump administration, but I think it is a record that maybe hopefully, you know, people will feel a little less alone in their fears, which is a, again, very earnest way to go from uh, talking about alkaline trio leaks to that, but it is a a pretty serious. um, Hey, we're very open-minded on the alternative facts podcast. (laughs) We like to bring it all together. Okay. But I think, I think that is, pretty i mean it's you want to write what's on your mind you what's what's driving you is i think pretty bold to just take on topics like this because i think even now i think i sense a lot of musicians are getting frustrated with always getting hit with trump questions and stuff like that in interviews even when their music has nothing to do with that yeah yeah they feel like oh no matter what that's going to be in the headline the trump or that thing but you're basically taking this stuff on yeah definitely and i think that um I just, I try to think, it's been interesting talking to old friends and um, seeing people, whether it's other Americans abroad or or seeing, you know, talking to people in my family, but um, I think that this is a man who has no business having the kind of power that he does. And I've had friends who have said like, oh, I'm rooting for him and I'm fucking not. Like he uh, is a dangerous man with terrible ideas as far as I'm concerned. And the question of is not whether he'll be like a successful president or not. The question is whether he'll be able to successfully implement a lot of really terrible ideas. And I think you're seeing in the courts and in various situations, he's failing, but there are certain um, areas in which he's having success. And I think it's important to fight him in those areas. Yeah. And like people keep talking, Oh, this is surely going to be the thing that gets him impeached. It's like people were saying that since like the grab him, grab them by the pussy video but he still just like keeps getting past every single cry of outrage and it's i think it's like a lot of this because 
like Congress, like all the Republicans just support him, like no matter what. And as long as something For breaks now, that up, yeah, it's yeah. just like he's going to be there. Yeah, I feel like I thought he had no chance of winning, and I'm out of the prediction business, so I'm not going to predict anything, but I'm also not going to predict that he'll be president a year from now. Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I've, because I like thinking about this stuff too. Like, I, mm-hmm. I like politics. Um, it's so hard. Like if, like, if I had to bet on it, it's so, like, will he carry out his four years? Will he be there in a year? Like, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I think just there's, there's so, like, little data in the past to go on because it just seems like this whole cycle un, we're in an unprecedented situation yeah and yeah that's, it's like that's, uncharted waters yeah totally crazy well yeah thanks so much for coming by and talking about this stuff <laughs> on that uplifting note thanks so much Chris, for coming by uh, Bayo's new album is called Man of the World it's out June 30th his first album was called The Names, came out back in 2015, so... Bayo, two albums in stores now. If you're a particularly massive Vampire Weekend fan, maybe you get that reference. Anyway, we'll be back with a new episode next Thursday. We run every Thursday. Subscribe, get it every week. Search for hashtag alternative facts, all one word, in iTunes, or the podcast app of your phone. Also, love getting feedback from you all. Keep it coming. Star ratings help so much. Love them. Give me some feedback. Maybe I'll shout you out in next week's episode. But in all seriousness, um, it's interesting doing a podcast because even though it's lots of fun, there's not really like a comment section or something where people can let you know what they think right away. So I really do appreciate hearing specific things that you think about the podcast, what you like, what you want to hear more of, what you don't like. So let me know. Give me a comment star rating and to really keep up with the show for you know little hints about who might be coming on follow me on twitter it's at c pain on a plane or you can just search for my name it's the first name that comes up for chris pain c-h-r-i-s-p-a-y-n-e so that's everything thank you so much for listening this is really fun and i'll see you guys next thursday 